I'm going to turn now to God's word and read from Paul's second letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, the first seven verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So far the reading. One of the highest ranking television shows in Australia at the moment is The Good Doctor. It's about Sean, an autistic doctor who has to get to grips with the difficulties of of living on his own and working, well, in an environment with which he is very much uncomfortable. He, for instance, has a problem with interacting with others, and, well, in in a hospital, you, you sort of kind of need to do that. But the president of the hospital has known Sean from an early age, And he's always been there to guide him. He's steered him through the difficult situations that he's encountered. And, and, you know, many of us have had such a person in our lives. Someone to whom we could go when, when the going got tough. Someone with whom we could touch base every so often just to get a bit of advice or, or direction. Perhaps someone who we knew wouldn't hesitate to show us what the right path is when we've gone slightly off the rails. For some it might be a chaplain at at school or the the teacher you know that you can trust. It might be someone who's had a major impact on your life, perhaps the person who led you to Christ. It may be one of the elders at the church. Whoever it is, it's someone that you can trust without any hesitation, someone with whom you've developed a relationship. And Paul and Timothy had this sort of relationship. They met during Paul's second missionary trip. Timothy came from a a mixed background with both Gentile and Jewish roots. And Paul became a a model for this young man, an example for his ministry. He mentored Timothy. He kept track of him. He corresponded with him, all the while guiding him. And both of these evangelists carried out their ministry by depending on God to equip and direct them. And Paul's ministry and his mentoring didn't stop when he was arrested. Even in the dungeon where he likely was when he wrote this letter, he takes up his pen to to write and to motivate his spiritual son that is in Ephesus. And Timothy was indeed in in a tough spot. The church's Ephesus was under siege. It was under siege from heretics. Now, you you and I can't put ourselves into Timothy's position. But imagine for a moment that you are facing a major crisis. 
And all of a sudden, your phone pings with an email from the person who led you to Christ. That person to whom you can turn, that you've always turned for, for practical and, and spiritual help. I'm sure you'll very quickly read that email. And I can picture Timothy doing the same with Paul's letter. And in that letter, we see that Paul um, divide, divides his, his mission, or not his mission, his, his um, advice and his guidance to Timothy with three different things. There's, there's firstly just an introduction. Now, it sounds strange that the introduction can be um, something that is inspiring or that helps, but it certainly is in this case. Verses 1 to 2, there's this, this heavenly introduction, if you like. In verses 3 to 5, there's also an inspiration. And lastly, in the two last verses, there's an instruction. So an introduction in the first two verses, inspiration in verses 3 to 5, and instruction in verses 6 to 7. And as we consider these seven verses this morning, let's also consider how they can help us as a congregation to use our gifts and our talents to glorify our God. Let's turn our attention first to the introduction where Paul's greeting of of grace, mercy and peace is. Verses 1 to 2. Now perhaps you might think it's strange for Paul to start his letter to his spiritual son who he knows so well that he starts his letter so formally saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. These two guys have known each other for ages. Timothy knew that Paul was an apostle, so why such an official introduction? You see, Paul knew how important this letter was. It was possibly his last letter. And yes, it was written to Timothy, but then copies would be sent to other churches as well to be read amongst them for their encouragement and of equipping them in their faith and in their Christian walk. So Paul is affirming here his apostolic legitimacy, his authority. He is an apostle by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Jesus Christ. He affirms this because he needed to make sure all the readers, including us today, understood that his teaching is authoritative. So Paul goes on to greet Timothy and other readers as well, with that threefold greeting of grace, mercy, and peace. And this greeting occurs only here and in the first chapter of Timothy 1, 1 Timothy. And it has special significance. You see, the gospel message that Timothy and all those who who listen to the call of Matthew 28 are called to proclaim, that gospel message is all about grace. It's about God's gift to the undeserving. It's also about mercy, about God's ministry to the helpless. And it's all about peace, about God's peace for the restless. God's gift to the undeserving, God's ministry to the helpless, and God's peace to the restless. And in this passage, the focus is mainly, of course, on Timothy. But the text most assuredly also applies to those who follow in Timothy's footsteps as proclaimers of God's word. Remember that in Matthew 28, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. He said that to his disciples, didn't he? 
But don't make that mistake of thinking that it just applies to his disciples. All of us, all of us are workers in God's field. We may do it in different ways, but all of us have been called to proclaim the good news of the gospel according to God's will. And as we do that, as we proclaim this fantastic message of of grace, mercy and peace, we must also recognise that we cannot do that and we do not do that in our own strength. We can only do that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We cannot spread the good news of, of God's grace and mercy and peace unless we too have a personal relationship with God. We cannot spread the good news of God's mercy if we do not submit fully to him. We cannot spread the good news of God's peace if we are not at peace with him. If God's word, if God's word hasn't soaked into us, and if we're not studying it, and if we're not living it, if it isn't at the center of our very being, how can we ever effectively spread his word? We need to spend time in God's word. It needs to soak in us, into us. It needs to saturate our lives so that we can also live it out so that others can see the hope that we have and so that we can effectively spread God's word. So Paul introduces the le- this letter with an Introduction to God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace. Now what a wonderful greeting that is. What a wonderful assurance that is for everyone who has a relationship with the one and only true God. We should be singing that out. We should be sharing it with everyone with great joy. That is our task. And that's what Paul's saying here to Timothy as well. Share this good news of grace and mercy and peace. Share it with great joy. And after sharing this this magnificent greeting with Timothy, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. How inspiring that must have been to Timothy. How encouraging it is to know that his mentor was praying for him, not just now and then, but constantly. That would have certainly been inspiring, it would have been encouraging, but it also have strengthened and, and also equipped Timothy for service. But friends, remember that though Paul may have been a prayer warrior, he's not a special case. He's not a special case. It's not like, like he's got God's ear any more than any one of us does. Bringing someone before our God, our gracious God, before his throne of grace is something that each one of us, each and every one of us can and must do. It's a gift that we all have. It's a gift that we must all use. We can pray for those who are ill, for our parents, for our children, and I trust that we all do. But brothers and sisters, we also need to come before God consistently and constantly to pray for those whom we know need encouragement, who need comfort, who need endurance, who need strength. That's a call on your life and on mine. 
I can confess, and Maggie and I can confess, how encouraging it was for us to know that people prayed for us over the past couple of months as we were struggling with, with various health issues. Certainly very encouraging, very comforting. As a congregation, as God's people, we need to uphold each other in prayer constantly. It can't be a, a slapdash thing or a, a hit and miss thing. We to constantly and consistently uphold others in prayer. And Paul reminds the Ephesian church of this, of this wonderful privilege when he says, In all circumstances take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. People of God, we must pray. We must pray that, that God will equip us and, and strengthen us in our daily task. We must pray that God will enable our spouses and our children to serve him with heart and soul and mind, with everything they have. And we to come to God in all circumstances of life, in joy, in health, in sickness, in pain, always. We to come to God in prayer, in all of those circumstances. When you go to bed in the morning, when you go to bed at sorry, when you wake up in the morning or when you go to bed in, at night, as you come before God in prayer, ask yourselves, whom am I praying for? Who could I pray for? Who should I be praying for? And friends, don't forget to tell people that you're praying for them. Don't be ashamed to tell someone that you're praying for them. Not to remind them of how good a friend you are or how good a Christian you are, but to be a source of encouragement to them. The ability to pray is a gift that all of us have been blessed with. It's a gift that, that builds up others, that encourages us others. And isn't that the idea of a, the body of Christ, to build each other up, to encourage each other? How well are we using that gift? How well are we using that gift? Dearest brother and sister, are you a prayerful encourager? So Paul encourages Timothy by telling him how he keeps him in prayer. But he goes further as well. He goes further by reminding him of the faith that God planted in his heart. And he further reminds him also that God equips him. In essence, Paul is saying, listen up, Timothy, don't be timid. God has equipped you with a wonderful faith and he will enable you to do what needs to be done. You see, Timothy was blessed with the gift of ministry of God's word and Paul encourages him to use that gift knowing that God will equip him for the task. And folks, it's not just those who are or have got the job or the calling to preach God's word who can rest in this assurance. You and I, all of us, have been endowed with gifts. God has endowed us with gifts. Whatever gift he has blessed you with, use it. All we need to do is to echo Isaiah and say, here I am. 
Here I am, Lord, use me in whatever way. Your gift may be to work with children. So use that gift. Use that gift, knowing that God will equip you. Contact Leanne or Nathan and say, Here I am to help with gems or ignite. Your gift may be hospitality. So use that gift to invite people for Christian fellowship over a meal. And not just your church friends. You can proclaim the goodness of God to non-believers much more easily and much more effectively in such a setting. Use your gift of hospitality. Maybe, just maybe, you've been blessed with a compassionate heart. So put it into action. Contact Dan or contact Session and say, Here I am. How can I help with pastoral care or diagonal work? And perhaps you don't know what your gift is. And that's okay too. But don't use that as an excuse. Approach Session and say, Here I am. I'm more than sure. I'm more than sure that the Lord will give Session the wisdom to help you work out where your gifting lies. And rest assured, rest assured that whatever your gift is, our awesome God will provide everything you need to use that gift to serve him. So in verses 1 and 2, Paul introduces the letter by by recalling God's grace, mercy and peace. In verses 3 to 5, he inspires and motivates his protege to use that gift that he's been blessed with. And in the final two verses, we see the purpose of this building up, the purpose of this encouragement and motivation. He's given Timothy a real confidence boost, and now in the last two verses, he gets down to the the nitty-gritty, if you like. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now this spirit of which Paul speaks here should be spirit with a capital S. The way that Paul uses it here, referring to the gift that came with the laying on of hands and the Holy Spirit related words such as power and love tells us that it's the Holy Spirit that Paul is talking about here. So what he's saying to Timothy is when God gives his spirit to you, it isn't timidity that's received, but power and love and self-discipline. He's trying to get across to Timothy that when he received the Holy Spirit, he was enabled with power and love and and self-control. And he's to use this to fan into flame his ministry gift. But what does this fanning into flame mean? If you've ever made a campfire, you'll know that when it's burned down to its embers, you can put some dry wood on it, on those embers and gently blow the fire back into life again, allowing that fire to build up again and create some warmth again. That's the picture that Paul is painting here. But there's more to it than just a once-off rekindling of the fire. It has to do with an ongoing action, as the verb in the original Greek makes quite clear. It has to do with keeping on stoking the fire to stop it from dying down to just embers and instead... To burn brightly. It's the same picture that Paul paints when he, when he instructs or urges the Roman believers to never be lacking in zeal, but to keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. 
For Timothy, this meant keeping his spiritual passion as he preached and as he ministers God's word. But this fanning of the flame might be different for each one of us. For me, it means filling up a reservoir of scripture knowledge and and also experience so that I can better carry out my duties and somehow also find time to, to recharge my spiritual batteries. Perhaps as a school leaver or a uni student, it might mean looking at doing an internship of some sort in a church. But for all of us, for all of us, it means actively and proactively looking for ways to serve God. For all of us, it means actively and proactively looking for ways to serve our God. That is how we fan that flame. We all have different skills and gifts, but we have one God, one God who enables us to do what he wants us to do. Can you hear or have you heard that gentle call of Jesus on your life? Or have you lost that fervor, that passion that that you first felt when you first got to know Christ as Saviour? Friends, Paul's inspiration of Timothy includes a powerful truth. A powerful truth that applies to to anyone engaged in any type of Christian ministry. Whatever our temperament, whatever our gifts, whatever our shortcomings, whatever our opinions about ourselves, ministry is not about us. It's not about us. It's about God. And the ability to fulfill that task doesn't come from within ourselves. It's not based on our power. It flows from the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. It's about a God-given courage that flows from a life submitted to God and lived dependent on Him. Brothers and sisters, whatever your gift is, wherever your gifts may lie, it is God who calls you. It's God who equips you. It's God who prepares you. You might be timid, like Timothy was, but the Holy Spirit is bold. You might lack confidence, but the Holy Spirit in you never suffers uncertainty. You might falter, as we all do, but the Holy Spirit never fails, never falls, never stumbles. Perhaps you feel inadequate or unqualified or timid or even fearful about serving God. But know this, know this, friends. Each one of you is an amazing prospect for the Holy Spirit. Each one of you. Young or old. Each one is an amazing prospect for the Holy Spirit. Throughout history, throughout history, God has chosen and and used nobodies because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and his grace. I am weak, but you are strong, we sing. And that's the case, isn't it? In those who call on him, in those who yield to his control, the Holy Spirit produces at least these three things. Power, that is, the ability to do, to recognize and do the will of God. Love, 
which is the unselfish seeking of the advantage of others and discipline. The self-discipline or or good judgment, if you like, of looking at the world from a a level-headed perspective, from a God perspective. It's the same sort of of self-control that Paul writes about a few few chapters on in, in 1 Timothy 4, where he says, But you, keep your head in all situations. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Again, that's written to Timothy. But it applies to you and me as well because each one of us has a gift to use in the ministry of God to this church and also into the wider community. That instruction to keep fanning into flame the gift of ministry was directed primarily at Timothy. But the principles apply to to all Christians today as well. We've all been given the Spirit. We've all been given gifts for ministry. You know, at the bare minimum. At the bare minimum, we've all been given hands. And we're not supposed to sit on those hands, but to use them for serving God with gratitude and joy. Brother and sister, Jesus is calling on you. It may be a call for a, a major change of direction in your life. Maybe to do that ministry internship that you've heard about. Perhaps it has to do with the many ministries in the church where, where leaders are needed. It may be the call to get involved with or to assume more responsibility in the things of God right here in church. It might be to start praying for others to be an encourager. Whatever it is, know that if you answer that call, God will empower you. He will strengthen you. He will enable you through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit's power and love and discipline that he places into your heart as well. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as laborers in God's vineyard, keep stoking your passion for ministry by remembering and and proclaiming God's grace, mercy and peace. Keep stoking that flame through training, through mentoring, through encouraging, motivating and constantly lifting up others in prayer. Lift up your your fellow saints in prayer. And as you keep fanning into flame the gift of God that is in you, remember and take courage that the Holy Spirit has equipped and will continue to equip you with the power, the love, and the self-discipline that's necessary for that task. Let's pray. Dearest Father, your word reminds us that we've all been given gifts, and that all these gifts are to be used to glorify you. But Lord, we we confess that sometimes we hide these gifts because we are shy or timid or, or afraid. Often, Lord, when we first come to believe in you, we are all ablaze with a zeal to proclaim your name and to, to use our time and, and what we have to work for the expansion of your kingdom. But, dear Lord, we also confess that that sometimes we get so busy with our own things that that initial fire burns down. It burns down to a few cold embers.
and we stop prioritizing you. We don't put you first or second or third or, or even last. But you've given us your spirit. And we know that it is a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline. So we pray, O oh Lord, let your spirit continue to work in us. Empower us. Empower us to keep on fanning into flame the gift of God that is within us. Not, Father, for our glory, but so that your name may be glorified. We pray this, O Lord, in the name of our Saviour, our Redeemer and Lord. Amen.